Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Wood Perspective. I'm your host, Kelsey Wood. Hi, friends. How are we all doing in this new year, this new month? January has kicked me on my ass. I am cold. I am dry. (laughs) Everyone is sick. My car registration is due in January. This is just, January is the worst month in the entire year, and no one can tell me differently. I'm serious. I feel like everyone is sick. I cannot go anywhere without the fear of getting sick. And I have to pay my car registration, which freaking sucks. Don't ever buy a car in January. Just take a note from Kelsey. Don't ever buy a car in January because you're poor from Christmas. And who wants to just have to fork up $200 to go register their car? I wish we lived in one of those states where you didn't have to do it every year. That would be great but we have to do it every single year and every January it just smacks me in the face after the holidays and I hate it. And I guess I have to do like the emissions test this year. I don't know. I don't know about cars, but (laughs) I think I have to do that this year too, which sucks. But with that being said, (laughs) my forward thought for this week is that I have a three-day weekend this weekend. So I think I might go get all of that stuff done this weekend and then just chill for the rest of the weekend. It's Martin Luther King Day on Monday, so I get the day off and I could not be more excited. I feel like one of the main reasons why January sucks is because I get so used to not working full weeks in December because of the holidays. And so then January comes into view and I have to work five day weeks. No, thank you. I could not be bothered (laughs) to work a full five day week. I need a break. So this weekend will be great and I'm excited to not have to work on Monday. I do, however, feel that it makes the shorter week feel longer. Like I'm sure next week will feel so long, even though I only worked four days. That's what happened last week when we had um, the third off for New Year's. I felt like last week lasted five weeks (laughs) instead of just one. So I don't know. You know, you can't always get what you want and that's just how it works. But I'm just grateful to... (laughs) have the day off anyway. Okay, so I know that The Bachelor started last week, guys, and I know that I'm supposed to talk about it, and you guys are probably expecting me to talk about it, but you know what? This is my podcast, (laughs) and I can talk about whatever I want, and I am just not feeling it this week. I have no idea why. I just feel like nothing super interesting happened anyway, and it's the beginning of a season, so None of us even know any of these women's names, so why should I even be bothered to give an update on it when I don't know any of them? The only person that I can even think about what they look like is the girl that he gave the first impression rose to. I think she's super cute. She seems super genuine, and so she's kind of my main focus on the season right now, Um, but other than that, I could not tell you a single girl's name, so I decided for this season of The Bachelor... I'm going to wait until like two or three weeks in to start doing the recaps. I feel like it will be better for you guys anyway. So I'm sorry if you look forward to the Bachelor recap and it's not happening this week, but it'll be better when we actually have a couple weeks to get used to these women and get to know them and I'll have a better view on all of them. So it's, it's for the best. But next week we will not do one because we have a very special guest next week. So get excited for that. And so it won't be until the week after that that we are back with the Bachelor recaps. But I figured most of you don't care. (laughs) 
So I'm making an executive decision and doing that. Okay, we're honestly just going to dive into this week's episode because I think it will be a pretty packed full episode. There is a lot of ground to cover. And obviously you guys read the title to this episode, so you know that it's about religion. And I have been part of two organized religions in my life. And so I'm going to be telling kind of the story of how I even got to converting to one and how I was raised in another and just kind of the whole story on that and like my mindset throughout that whole thing and how I feel about it now looking back. I think it's kind of one of those things like, you know, when you see someone that you know was married and all of a sudden they change their profile picture on Facebook or they change their last name on Facebook back to their maiden name, you're assuming in your mind that they probably got divorced, but they never come out and actually say that they got divorced. I kind of feel the same way with religion, like especially in Utah. I don't know why I do this. It's probably like a me problem, (laughs) but like knowing what I know about the church that's in Utah, the LDS church, I start to like wonder things because I I fell away from the church. So I like knowing when other people do too, so that like we might have that in common. Um, But you kind of start to see the signs when you know someone is starting to fall away from the church, but they never come out and actually say it. And I just wish people would when it's really none of my business. I know it's none of your business to know my religion story, but I just am choosing to share it. Um, I know when you get divorced, it may not be the first thing that you want to do is announce it to everyone. So I get it. It's literally none of my business. I shouldn't even be worried about it, but it's just the human brain. Okay, we're all just curious about it. And so I thought that I would do an episode on this. I got a few um, requests for this just from people that I know that have also fallen away from the church. They wanted to know my story. And then I think a lot of my family probably has never heard the story and wants to know how I feel about it now. So figured it was as good of a time as any to do it while I have a podcast. And I'm just talking to the great unknown. Okay, before I start, I do just want to preface this with I do not hold a grudge with anyone in any of my stories that I'm going to be telling. My decisions were my decisions. At the time, I may have thought that it was for me. Now, hindsight is 2020, obviously. I can look back and realize that I wasn't actually doing these things for myself. But in the moment, I truly did think I was. So I don't blame anyone in any of these situations. Um, I don't hold a grudge. I don't like have ill will towards anyone. I just want that to be known because I don't want to go into this and have people hear it and think that I'm bashing anyone. That is not the case. All of this is my responsibility and my actions. So I guess we're just going to start a few years back and give you guys a background on my family. So when my parents got married, um, I don't believe that either of them were really active in any religion. However, my dad was LDS growing up and my mom was Catholic. My whole mom's side of the family is Catholic. My whole dad's side of the family is LDS. Um, For those of you that aren't familiar with LDS, it stands for Latter-day Saints or people call them Mormons. Um, But I don't think that either of my parents were really going to their respective churches when they were married. However, when kids came into the picture as it always happens, it kind of made things a little bit messy. 
um, the question came up of if they were going to baptize us into the Catholic Church, if they were going to have a baby blessing for us within the LDS Church. In the Catholic Church, you typically get baptized when you're just a fresh infant. (laughs) You can get baptized right then and there. Um, So if you're part of a family that is actively going to church, that's usually what happens. Um, In the LDS Church, you typically have a baby blessing when you're young or when you're a fresh infant. (laughs) And then you don't get baptized until you're eight. So it's a little bit later in life. Um, So obviously the question came, were they going to do either of those? And my sister is four years older than me. So obviously I think this conversation had happened long before I came into the picture. But they decided that they weren't going to do anything at the time. So we weren't part of any religion until my parents got divorced. So my parents got divorced when I was around six months old, but I think it was around one. I was around one and my sister was maybe five where my mom decided to have us baptized into the Catholic church. I don't really know like why she decided to do it right then and there, um, but she decided to do it. So obviously I was one years old. I don't have memories of this. I can see a picture in my brain of me and my sister in our white baptism dresses. It was a super cute picture. I think I'm holding a balloon or something in the picture, Um, but that's my only memory, obviously, and that's just because I've seen a picture. But from then on, we went to church every Sunday, and I believe my mom met my stepdad at church, and they ended up getting married at that church we've always gone to when I was around five or six. I think I was six when they got married. So from then on, my sister and I attended what they call CCD classes in the Catholic Church. And basically, it's Sunday school. Um, You would, I don't remember if it was the hour before church. I think it was the hour right before church. I'm debating whether it was the hour before or the hour after, but I think it was the hour before um, where you had an hour of just Sunday school. So you had a bunch of different levels you had to go through. Um, My stepdad actually taught one of the levels. I think he was like the sixth grade Um, CCD teacher. And so we would do that every single Sunday. And then we would have the hour of mass that we would go to after that. I did the whole shebang. So (laughs) I was Catholic through and through, um, attended the classes, went to church every Sunday, got my first communion when I was eight, which is when you finally take the bread and wine um, during mass. I did what is called a confirmation when I was around 14 or 15, I think. Um, And that's kind of when you graduate from attending the Sunday school classes. It's like this whole ceremony. I invited my friends. I invited a couple teachers. I even remember a specific teacher I invited and he ended up coming to it. Like it was just this whole big thing. Meanwhile, (laughs) I am living in what is commonly known as Happy Valley, where like 99% of the population That's obviously not a real statistic, but it feels like it. Um, 99% of the population is LDS. And so I commonly get the question, what was that like growing up in a prominent LDS um, area? You were the only non-member. Let me tell (laughs) you, it wasn't great. I mean, it wasn't the worst it could be, but it wasn't great. So I have a couple examples. When I was around seven or eight, I was outside riding my bike in the cul-de-sac that my parents house was on the edge of and I had this kid come out and he just like yelled at me and called me the devil (laughs) and I was just like a short chubby kid with a bad haircut riding a bike like what did I do to deserve that you know and so a lot of the 
Parents in the neighborhood also wouldn't allow their kids to hang out with me because they thought I was a bad influence. There were a number of things that happened. And I would get invited to all sorts of LDS activities. Like I would get invited to young women's. I would get invited to girls camp. Just all of the different activities. There was always an invite extended. And I don't have a problem with that. If they wanted to try and invite me and just be kind, that's fine. But every single time I would get asked and I would always decline it. So it just kind of felt like it was being pushed on me. And I don't think my parents would have allowed me to go anyway, even if I did want to. (laughs) Like, it just wasn't something that I wanted to do. And for the first few years we lived in that house, we had missionaries coming over all the time, like trying to get us to answer our door. And I think at one point we just either stopped answering or like my stepdad just kind of told them to go away. They eventually stopped coming to our house altogether. Our house was kind of the spot for pranks. <laughs> like, I, my parents still have a stain on their front porch um, on the concrete where someone made this, te- this little bomb. I don't even know what it was made out of. It was weak. It wasn't like, it didn't cause much damage, but like they put like this little bomb on our porch and it went off and there's still a stain there. Um, I think our house has gotten egged a few times. My sister's car got egged. And I know that that isn't necessarily because we were <laughs> not LDS. I know that there's prob- there may have been other reasons for that. But it's just suspicious to me that we were the only non-members and it was always our house getting targeted with all the pranks. It's just, it's just a little sus, you know? <laughs> it was just a little rough. But anyway... <laughs> While a lot of the parents didn't allow me to hang out with their kids, there were some that did. And they were angels. They were just the gem of the neighborhood. I made a lot of good friends. And even some of my friends called me their Catholic friend because I think it was just kind of cool back back then. I say back then like I'm 80 years old, but, you know, about 20 years ago. Um, okay, I'm not that old. I guess like 10 to 15 years ago. <laughs> I think it was just cool because they didn't know anyone that wasn't LDS. And so they're like, oh yeah, this is my Catholic friend. And I just owned it because it was something that I was proud of, like being different from everyone else. Um, I remember even using it as like an interesting fact about me at one point when, you know, you had to go around the class and tell an interesting fact about yourself. I was the weird Catholic kid. Anyway, it just became part of my identity is what I'm trying to say. I don't really know what happened, but around age 16, my family just kind of stopped going to church regularly. We became kind of what they call twice a year churchgoers. So we really only ever attended on Christmas Eve and then Easter Sunday. And then all the other Sundays of the year, we didn't really go. I'm sure there were times where we randomly went, but it wasn't as consistent as we used to be. We basically only went those two times a year. And basically by the time I was 17 or 18, we weren't going at all. And I was still living at home. So, I mean, if my parents were going, I probably would go with them. But I just don't remember us going at all by that point for for whatever reason. I don't think there was any like fallout or anything. We just weren't going. And I was fine with it. I mean, I was a teenager. I was like, sick, we don't have to go to church. Like the thing about being born into it, basically, I know I didn't get baptized right when I was born, but the thing about being born into the religion, I tend to wonder if I only believed it because I knew that I was supposed to. Because I remember thinking like when I was back when I was Catholic, I would like pray. I would like try all these prayers. And like, 
probably was doing it wrong back then, but like I just tried to actually believe it, but I just honestly had no idea what I even believed. Like people would ask me, what does the Catholic Church believe? Because they wanted to know because they had never heard it. And I really wasn't able to answer them. Like I knew the basics, but I wasn't able to go in depth because I think I just kind of slid on by in those Sunday school classes. I didn't really hold on to any of the information. It wasn't something that I was like passionate about. So I don't think I really even believed it even when I was in it. But by the time I was done going, I was like, yeah, sick. I'm not going to church anymore. I'm Catholic, but I'm just not active. Like that's just kind of how I ran with it, you know. So this is kind of where things get a little bit juicy. <laughs> if juicy is the right word. Um, when I was 18, I got into like my first real relationship. So I had dated before and I had lots of hookups and like, you know, did my fair share of experimenting, but never did anyone actually want to be with me for me. Like they just wanted to, you know, hang out as teenagers do and they didn't actually want a real relationship. So when I met someone that actually like liked me, I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> like, this is sick. And I liked him too. And so we started hanging out. Obviously, he was LDS and he was getting ready to serve a mission. Um, if you don't know what a mission is, it's a brief synopsis is it's a two-year volunteer-based mission where you get called to a specific place in the world and you live there for two years and speak their language and your sole priority is getting others involved with the church, introducing it to others, and just sharing it with everyone. So obviously someone who is preparing to go on one of those would be really active in the church and wanting to follow all the rules. And obviously I was 18, so I wasn't thinking about marriage, but in the back of my mind, I, I knew that if I wanted this relationship to last, it wasn't going to unless I did something about my religious ties. So I wasn't necessarily thinking that I would need to convert at that time, but it was always in the back of my mind that this relationship was kind of pointless unless I did something like that because he was so into his church. I was the one that wasn't in a church really at all. And so it was always just kind of in the back of my mind. We had brief conversations about like if I would wait for him while he was on his mission and then if we would date afterwards, but we never really had like marriage talks because we were just still so young. But the thing about dating a non-member when you're LDS is you can't get married in the temple, which is kind of like the ultimate goal when you're Mormon is to get married in the temple. So we both knew that that wouldn't be a possibility if we were to end up staying together. He didn't pressure me or anything at the time. Like I didn't really think anything of it. But at one point, I decided it was okay if we had the missionaries over to have dinner with us at his house. When I tell you this is the worst experience I've ever had, <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. So the missionaries came over and the, the only word I can use to describe it was just gross. Like one of the missionaries was just so rude and he was very direct in the way that he was telling me. He basically told me, everything I have ever been taught in Catholicism is wrong. The only way to live a righteous life is to join the LDS church. He basically was putting all of my past like teachings and everything that I had been taught. He was just taking a big shit on him. <laughs> and it didn't sit well with me. And 
then he has the audacity to start the whole conversion talk. So if you are a missionary, like if you served a mission or you know someone who has served a mission, they all have this conversion talk that they, if they feel they need to share it or if they feel like the person in front of you needs to hear it, they will share it. And it's the story about Joseph Smith and how he saw the pillar of light and that whole thing. Not going to get into it. But he stared me dead in the face, (laughs) would not look away from me, just locked eyes and gave me that spiel. And I, in response, I was just trying to keep my cool. Like I was getting hot and sweaty and like I was just so uncomfortable. This whole encounter had been just the worst. And I'm just like, Kelsey, you got to get through this. Like they'll leave soon. It's fine. But he is looking me dead in the face, not looking away at all. And he's just giving me this spiel. And I'm feeling so uncomfortable at this point. And as soon as they leave, I got up from the dinner table and I just ran into another room and I just started bawling. Like it just set me off and I just felt gross. Like it just, ugh. I even like thinking back at it, it was such a horrible experience. I honestly do not know what made me move forward with converting to the church later down the road based off of this one experience, but it was rough. Like I, even my boyfriend at the time and like his family, they were like, yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't super appropriate. Like, <laughs> And it just wasn't a good time. So I was kind of a little traumatized by that experience at first, and it took me a while to accept the missionaries to come over again. Um, But I said, I'm not meeting with that missionary again. Like it has to be a different set of people. So I had a different set of missionaries come over a few weeks later and immediately felt so much better with this group of guys. They were so down to earth. And I even told them the story of the other missionary and how he treated me. And they admitted that they knew him from, you know, they're all serving in the same area. So they knew him. And they kind of said that he had that reputation where he just kind of pushed too far. And I was like, okay, well, at least that makes me feel better. It was just an issue with that one guy. Not all of them are like this. And it kind of brought me back down to earth and allowed me to kind of (laughs) accept what they were saying. But yeah, I really liked these guys. I think I still even am connected with them on like Instagram and Facebook. They they were super nice, super cool. Um, So looking back now, I, like I said, I don't know what caused me to have them come meet with me again, but I, I accepted it and they kept coming more regularly. And so I met with them for a few weeks. There are a few things that you have to do, obviously, when you're um, preparing to get baptized. And they helped me through that whole thing. I was kind of in that awkward, self-conscious stage of being a young girl. And I, in the back of my mind, I was like, I think I knew that I didn't really want to do this. Like I, I didn't have a desire to become part of the church. But the way my mind works, I was like, what if this is my only chance to have a happy life? And I started spiraling and I was like, I am really happy in this relationship. This is just one hurdle I have to get through. But then it's like, I didn't realize that this is something I would have to do for the entire rest of my life if I wanted to get baptized and live the way that the Mormon church wants you to live. And so obviously I can say all of that, in hindsight. But in the moment, I think I truly did believe that I was doing what was best. And so I just kind of talked myself into it. So a few months go by and a date has now been set for my baptism. So I had the whole baptism. I invited some of my family. Some of them didn't show up because they didn't support it, 
which is fine. Um, others did, and it was it was fine. It was a good baptism from <laughs> what people told me. I don't know. I didn't feel any sort of way. But knowing what you know about my family now, you can tell that probably most of my mom's side of the family was upset. My dad's side of the family was ecstatic. They were all happy. My mom's side, not so much. They were more hurt and disappointed because, I mean, from my mom's point of view, she had seen me crying multiple times in my childhood because people were mean to me about the fact that I wasn't LDS. So she's like, why would she want to all of a sudden become one of them if they were so rude to her? So looking back at it now, obviously, I can see where she was coming from. At the time, I just kind of told her, I was like, you don't have to like it, but I'm going to do it. And as a mom, I'm sure that's hard. But then at the same time, you have to let your kids make their own decisions. And if it ends up being a mistake, your kid's going to deal with that. And that's fine. They deserve to deal with their mistake if they made one. Um, But looking back, I can totally see where she was coming from. So got baptized. That whole thing happened. I ended up getting a calling in the church. I was called to teach the sunbeams, which is like the three-year-olds. I was paying tithing. I was doing my visiting teaching. I was reading my scriptures regularly. Like I was doing all the things that I was supposed to be doing. And still in the back of my mind, I never got the feeling of, I absolutely know that this is true. Like I 100% made the right decision. I 100% converted to the church that I know to be true. Never in my life have I had that feeling, whether it was for the Mormon church, the Catholic church, I have never felt like I know 100%. Like there are so many people out there that are like, 100%, I know that this is true. I, th- <laughs> I'll talk about that a little later, but I just have a hard time with people throwing out percentages or like the way that they 100% know that this is the true church because literally no one knows that but I get that it's just part of their belief. That, however, never happened to me. I never had that epiphany. I never had like a spiritual experience telling me that I was making the right decision. I was just doing what I thought I needed to do. So a few months pass from me getting baptized and it's time for my boyfriend at the time to leave on his mission. It only took me about a year into him being gone to realize that I had made a mistake. I was going to church with his family still while he was gone because that was all that I ever knew. Um, in the Mormon church was going to his ward. And so I stayed in that ward. I was going to church with his family, but it was getting harder and harder to have the motivation to get up every Sunday and go. I did not have motivation to prepare lessons for my calling. I, I really did not want to read scriptures. I did not understand them. They made no sense to me. They confused me more than anything. Like nothing was lining up where I should feel like on a spiritual high, you know? I never felt that. And so it took about a year into him being gone to realize I really did not do this for myself. I did this 100% because of the relationship I was in. And like I said, it, I don't think it was his fault. It was me because I wanted that relationship to work so bad that I was willing to do whatever I needed to do. Um, there were certain rules about the church that I didn't understand. Like they're not allowed to drink coffee And that was a big part of my life, still is. Um, And it's little things like that where I was like, why, why is coffee bad? And I would ask that question and I would ask people and they wouldn't be able to tell me. They would tell me some 
excuse my French, but some bullshit answer of sometimes we don't always understand the things that we're asked to do and we just have to do them. In my brain, that is not an acceptable answer. Like, I need answers as to why you're asking me to do something. And if I don't understand why or I don't get a real answer, it's just going to make me more mad than anything. (laughs) So there were just little things like this that were coming up. And I was like, nope, don't agree with that. Nope, don't agree with that. And so I started doubting a lot of what the church was teaching. And I was like, "Mm, I don't think this is right for me. And Meanwhile, this guy is on his mission and he is just having like the time of his life on like a spiritual high. And I'm over here spiraling because I think I made the biggest mistake of my life. (laughs) And I kind of start to get the feeling that I should start dating because I'm like, if I don't want to be a part of the church, then this relationship isn't going to work out. So I need to figure out if this truly is the person that I'm supposed to be with. And so I started dating. The very first person I go on a date with is Jordan. So obviously, you can see where this is going. Um, I met him at work. I kind of gave that overview um, on my first episode. Met him at work. He asked me out on a date and we went to a haunted house, all of that. So I'm just trying to figure out if I could be with someone else. And it turns out that I really liked Jordan. (laughs) And he liked me for me. And I didn't have to change anything about myself in order to be with this person. And it just kind of flicked in my brain like, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. Like, I shouldn't have to change something or I shouldn't have to do something I don't actually believe in to be in a relationship that means anything. And so I'm exploring my relationship with Jordan. Um, I did tell the missionary that I was going on dates. And I also told Jordan about the missionary. Like, I was open about all of it. And at one point, I decided I wanted to get a tattoo. I had always wanted to get a tattoo. And it was just holding me back because that's a no-no in the LDS church. And I had been 18 for only about a year. And so I couldn't get a tattoo until then. So I really wanted one. So I I decided to go for it. And when I told um, my ex-boyfriend about it, he was not happy. I mean, obviously, I told him over an email. And he was very disappointed because that's just not something that I should have done if I truly believed in the church. And so I think in that moment, he started doubting the relationship as well because he could tell that I wasn't in this 100%. Like, I did not believe all of the teachings. Um, And then at the same time, I'm realizing that about myself too. I'm realizing that I truly do not believe any of this. Um, So it just took a few months of me exploring and figuring out how I wanted to live my life. And it turns out that I really liked not being a part of religion. I liked not going to church. I liked drinking coffee when I wanted it. I liked getting tattoos. I liked using foul language. (laughs) Like it was just these things about myself that I always knew. And I always in the back of my mind knew that that's how I wanted to live my life. But I just thought that I would be able to change so easily. But when I started doing all these things again, I realized that I truly do like it. So those people that (laughs) I was talking about earlier, where they probably, they saw me get baptized in the LDS church a few years ago, and now they're seeing a Snapchat story of me taking five shots of tequila at a party, but I never came out and actually said that I had left the church. So they're probably like, oh, she's, she's spiraling. She's going off the deep end. But it's things like that where I was like, 
I don't want to have restrictions. Like, I want to do what I want to do and not feel bad about it. I feel like religion for me, if nothing more, just caused me to feel bad about things. It caused guilt in my mind for things that I should never feel guilty about. And obviously for someone that is in the church and truly believes it, they wouldn't feel like they needed to do these things because they truly believe that that's the wrong thing to do. I didn't. I did not believe that these things were wrong. I was just being who I wanted to be and I was happy. So when I was finally like doing the last leg of my research in the church, I truly was like reading the scriptures. I was reading the Book of Mormon. I was trying to understand it and I would ask people questions about it if I didn't like understand something and they would give me those same bullshit answers where it wasn't really an answer. It was just, yeah, we don't understand everything, but we just do what we're asked. That just doesn't fly with me. So it was when I was doing my last leg of research that I realized this is not for me. I don't think I could ever do this long term. It's great for other people. It's just not great for me. And that's okay. So obviously, needless to say, (laughs) me and this ex-boyfriend of mine realized that we were not on the same wavelength and we wanted different things and we went our separate ways. So after that whole fiasco, um, Jordan and I started dating more exclusively and he's grown up in the LDS church his whole life. So he understands like what the teachings are and the frustrations with it because he also was not active. He was living with his parents at the time. So I think he was still like going to church just kind of out of respect, but like it's not something that he actually wanted for his life. Um, And so we kind of bonded over that as well because I was trying to find out who I was without religion and he was kind of coming out on his own and moving in with, he ended up moving in with me shortly after we met. And so he wasn't going to church anymore once he moved in with me. And it was just, everything just felt right in that moment. I knew that I did not want to be part of any organized religion. I knew that I could be me and someone could love me for who I was and I didn't need to change anything about me. And he actually appreciated the thoughts that I had. And like we could have intelligent conversations about the church and what we believe to be true and all these things. And so it was in that moment where I realized, okay, I'm happy with my life now. Like this is what I'm supposed to do. This is, I'm just supposed to live my life the way that I want to live it. And that's fine. I know a lot of you that are religious have a hard time with people not believing in anything. And I wouldn't necessarily call myself atheist by any means. Like, I, <laughs> I'm i interested to know that if I wasn't raised in a religion, would I be atheist? Would I just not believe anything? Like, I'm interested to know what would happen if I just wasn't raised in anything. Because I do think that nature versus nurture comes in here where I was raised being told there was a god. So I believed that there was a god of some sort. I just didn't know all of the other things that happened. I didn't know like what rules there are or like the afterlife situation. Like I just didn't believe in any of that. But I was always told that there was a god. So I would be interested to know if that would still be the case if I wasn't raised in any religion, but I'll never know. So, (laughs) but like I said, I wouldn't call myself an atheist either. So I never really know how to describe myself. I just 
don't practice a religion. I wouldn't call myself even spiritual. Like I know some people are like, oh, I'm not religious. I'm just spiritual. That's not me either. <laughs> like I just don't vibe with any of it. If I had to pick something, the closest thing I would pick is agnostic. Jordan and I have talked about this before where it's like basically the definition of agnostic is a person who believes that nothing is known or can be known of the existence or nature of God or of anything beyond material phenomena. A person who claims neither faith nor disbelief in God. I feel like that kind of fits me perfectly. Like I don't know if there's anything out there. If there is, cool. If there isn't, cool. (laughs) But I am not going to revolve my entire life around finding out you know like that's just kind of the way that I look at it is if I go to hell for having sex before marriage or for having an occasional alcoholic beverage then I'm gonna go to hell no matter what but why should I worry about it in this life why shouldn't I just live my life to the fullest the way that I want to live it rather than restricting myself from doing things that may not matter in the end And I know that that probably sounds insane to those of you that are religious, but I'm just explaining what goes on in my brain, okay? The thought of not being accepted into heaven because of some mistakes that I have made, whether they are trivial mistakes or like big mistakes, obviously I'm not out there committing murder, okay? I'm a good person. (laughs) But it's like the little things like this where I didn't wait until marriage, I drink alcohol, It's just things like that, that it's like, I don't want to restrict myself from things that I actually want to do if I don't know if they're going to matter in the end or not. And so if I die and I end up having to meet my maker (laughs) and have a list of all the things that I did wrong in my life, I would hope that there would be some forgiveness because there's really no way to know what's out there. And I have been a good person my whole life. I am not a criminal. (laughs) I'm not a fraud. I'm not an adulterer. And so all of those basic commandments that they have asked of us, whoever they may be, I have not committed. So it's, it's just things like that where it's like, I feel like I'm a decent person. So whatever happens in the afterlife will happen no matter what. So I'm just going to live the way that I want to and be happy. That's all that we can ever ask, you know? Basically what I'm saying (laughs) is if religion makes you happy, then practice it. Do it. Be 100% in your religion. If it brings you peace, do it. If it doesn't, leave. I just don't know why someone would be in something if they truly didn't believe it. And I have no problem with people that are religious. I respect it. I respect that that's what makes them happy and that's what they believe and it brings them comfort. Whether I disagree with it or not, it doesn't matter because it's their life. My life, I choose not to be part of an organized religion and I don't think I ever will be again. I'm very happy with the way that I have built my life around just being a good person, you know, just being a good human. And I do believe in like energy. If that's a thing, like I When someone tells me that something bad happened to them, like, I don't say, oh, I'll keep you in my prayers because I would just be lying. I don't pray. (laughs) But I'm just like, I'll keep you in my thoughts. I'll send you good vibes. Like, I am a big believer in your energy can affect others in positive or negative ways. So I'll say, I'll be thinking of you. I'm sending you good vibes, positive energy. And that's just kind of how I live my life, you know? If you get anything out of this episode... Just know that no matter what you believe, no matter what you choose to practice, 
as long as you're a good human and you have good intentions, that's that's all that matters to me. I will hang out with any type of person. I feel like we need to teach our kids, especially in Utah, we need to teach our kids to be more loving and accepting of other religions, just the same way we would teach them to celebrate and accept all different types of skin color. We need to be more open about it because I love Utah. I think it's a beautiful place. It's safe. I feel like it would be a great place to raise kids, but only if you're Mormon. And it shouldn't be that way. I should be able to feel like I could raise my kids without them getting bullied. But because I experienced the mean words from kids and the bullying based off of my religion, I know that if I chose to raise kids in Utah, they would have the same exact experience. And it makes me sad because I feel like raising kids here is a really good option, but only if you fit into that category. And I don't. And I don't want my kids to be subjected to that. And so I hope that by the time I have kids that are old enough to understand the discrimination that they will experience, I I want them out of Utah. I do not want them to have to experience that because it has stuck with me for the rest of my life. And it's really screwed up the way that I think about people in that religion. Like, I know that the religion isn't bad. People are bad. But it just, like, breaks my heart that that is going to stick with me for the rest of my life. And I don't want that to happen to anyone else. So, just if you get anything out of this podcast, teach your kids to be nice and to be kind and to be accommodating and accepting of anyone. And don't call an eight-year-old the devil. (laughs) That's the true warning here. (laughs) It just makes me mad because you know that an eight-year-old didn't come up with that themselves. Like, they probably heard their parents say something along the lines of, like, comparing me to that. I don't know. But I just know that the kid didn't come up with that on their own. It probably came from the parents, which just makes me even more sad. And the fact that parents didn't want me to even hang out with their kid because they were afraid that I was going to be a bad influence, like... What type of bad influence could I be at the age of eight years old? (laughs) Like, so I don't know. It's just rough. And I just think that people need to be better about teaching their kids to accept other religions, especially in Utah. One of the main things that deter me from organized religion is I feel like they change their doctrine all the time. And this is for any church, really. But it's just infuriating to me that they will say that one thing isn't acceptable at one point, And then all of a sudden, a few years later, it's acceptable because they're changing with the times. And to me, if a religion is true the way that it was written, shouldn't that just be always the case? It just feels like they're catering to what's going on around them and what's convenient for them. And I feel like that is the case for all religion. It does that no matter what. And so I have a hard time with that just because I feel like the teachings aren't really as impactful if they're just going to change. I don't know. That's just my mind. And so I think that's why I have a hard time with it. I also just feel like organized religion just makes me feel trapped and it makes me feel like I can't make my own decisions, like that I need to ask people for permission for to do things or I need to do X, Y, and Z before I can do this. Like, I don't know. I just don't like it. And so it just doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for my lifestyle. I haven't thought about what we will do with our kids down the line. Like I said, I was always taught about the teachings of the Catholic Church. So that's just kind of what my base knowledge about religion was. 
So I think I kind of want to go the route of teaching them about religion and like what the basic teachings are of all of these different religions, but we're not going to practice anything. We're just going to teach them to be kind humans and to love everyone and accept everyone. And if they want to join some sort of religion down the line, then they can go ahead and do it. <laughs> like it doesn't bother me anyway. If it makes them happy, then I'll support it. But obviously I don't have children, so I don't know how I would react in that instance. But that's kind of my plan is to just go with the flow and just teach my kids to be nice and accepting of others. <sighs> okay, that was a lot <laughs> for one episode. I feel like that was just kind of like a big word vomit. And I don't really even know if people truly care about this or not. I just know that I got a few suggestions to do an episode on my experience because I know a lot of you guys are dealing with your own sort of faith crisis and sometimes it just helps to hear someone else's point of view or how they got through their own journey and so hopefully this helps someone <laughs> and hopefully it was at least interesting for you to listen to even if you aren't going through a faith crisis of your own. I am a little nervous for this episode to come out because this is the first like super personal episode I've done but I have a good following on the podcast. Like the people that listen to it, I personally know and I feel okay with them hearing what I have to say. Um, but it's just a little nerve wracking. So, you know, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, <laughs> give me a rating. Um, just don't do it based off of your agreeance <laughs> or disagreeance with this topic. Do it on the way that I presented it. <laughs> I worry that people will like disagree with me and they're like one star and then ruin my whole thing. So only do it if you think that I did a good job on this episode. <laughs> good news is Spotify just released a rating feature. So you can now rate your favorite podcasts on Spotify now too. So it's not just the Apple podcasters. And I know that um, about 60% of the people that listen to this podcast listen on Spotify. So come give me some love. Come give me a rating. Give me a review. Let me know how I'm doing. Um, it would mean a, a lot to me if you would go and fill that out. I love seeing the reviews come in. And also I am having Jordan on my podcast next week and I'm so excited. So if you guys have any specific questions you want us to answer um, about him or about our relationship, our marriage, um, please send them my way and we will answer all of them next week. I'm super excited to have my first guest. We're moving up in the podcasting world, guys. And who better than my loving husband? So I'm super excited for you guys to get to know him. Um, I just love him so much and I know that you guys will too. <laughs> so with that being said, that is all I have for you guys today. This is This ended up being a long episode, so thank you if you guys listened all the way. And I hope you have a great week and three-day weekend if you get it. And I just appreciate every single one of you. So I will talk to you guys next week. Bye, guys.